Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Mediation may be one of the first words that you hear as you enter the world of breaking up your property and your children's custody issue. Today, we're going to cover the five main myths about mediation and tell you the truths. Hello, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Now, I think, Mum, mediation is usually like the first thing that's bandied around to people. And there are a lot of misconceptions about mediation out there, I've noticed, in in the social media world, at least. So I think it's really important that we talk about this today. And, Mum, just so people understand where you're coming from, not only... Have you been a family lawyer for 35 years? You've also been a accredited, what do you call it? Nationally accredited mediator. Yep. And I was, I was mediating before it was in fashion. I've been a mediator since 1994. <laughs> before it was cool. That was before it was cool. Yeah. Oh, and, and I won the mediation Queensland Law Society mediation competition at school. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I did not understand it at the time. What the heck? I didn't know it was going to relate to divorce, but there you go. But you know, though, Raz, mediation is the first sort of legal word that comes at a person when they're separating. So the idea of separating is all, of, you know, you're going through all the emotional stuff and and then this word mediation comes out and, and it can give people a bit of a shock, particularly because we don't talk about it in our mm. day-to-day lives very much. And before we start, what are the other terms that are used that mean mediation but are used in the family court? Are they- Conciliation conference, sometimes a legal aid conference, child-inclusive, family dispute resolution. There are a number of different ways that you will come across mediation. You might even come across child-inclusive mediation, but it's not just for children's matters. It's definitely used for property. Mm-hmm. And our court, the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia, is placing a very heavy emphasis on doing mediation ASAP and before you go to court mm. um, so that it, it is the first thing that people come up against. All right, so we've, we've got our listeners here today. They are gearing up for mediation. They've been told that's what the next step is. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about these five myths so they don't make any boo-boos. So number one, Mum, you've said the first main myth and we've seen this a lot where people feel like they have to prove it something, whatever the argument is to the mediator. It's and yes, they kind of see a mediator like a judge. So why is that a myth? Um, it, it's just not true. Uh, in fact, pure mediation models don't know anything. Uh, when I trained initially, we didn't know anything about either side's story. We're only about facilitating people to reach agreement. Nowadays, with mediation, your mediator will normally have been given documents. So they know all that stuff that you're going to say. And they are not interested. They're not judges. They're not interested in giving you their point of view. Their whole focus is on helping each of you to get to an agreement. Okay. So, so it's a pure, in, in a pure model. They don't know anything. Nowadays, they know something, but it doesn't signify that they're, they're there to try and get you guys to sort out. So you're actually doing all the work when you're at a, when you're in mediation. 
So when when they give you this big, massive, long list of disclosure, which we yeah. can download our free disclosure checklist, if you like, for Australia people, mm. they give you this big, long list of disclosure and it, they want all of these things. So oh. the mediator is not looking at them to make a decision from the disclosure. That That's more for them to, for you to show the other side, to show your ex. Is that right? That's right. And in the pre-action procedures now that our court has, they are wanting you to give these documents to the mediator, if not only to show that you've provided it to the other side, but also just as a show of good faith. Often in a mediation in the past where we didn't have all these formal steps that we had to take before mediation, you'd get halfway through the day and something would come up and you can't settle it because you don't know the answer to this question. Mm. Luckily, that's changed a lot with everything online, like, you know, what's your super today? Oh, yeah. So so it's all about making sure that the people are completely ready and there are no reasons for them to not have a sensible agreement or sensible discussion. So it's yeah. not to give it to the mediator so they are going to make a decision. And I think coming from a people pleaser, a recovering people pleaser as myself, oh, yes. one of the things I felt when I went to one of my mediations was that I desperately, desperately didn't want to disappoint or upset or make my mediator think I'm a bad person or not like me. So oh, that, that kind of attitude for any people pleasers out there, what basically what you're saying, mum, that myth that you don't have to prove anything to the mediator, the mediator doesn't have to think you're amazing or like you. It's That's not what their role is. So don't make yeah. any decisions based on what the mediator will think of you. I know oh that sounds goodness. so ridiculous when I say it out loud. I say it out loud, Rose, but I, I understand it entirely. I absolutely understand it. So what I say to my clients, what I used to say to my clients is you're paying this person, mm. okay? And it can be quite a bit of money. You're paying this person. You're their customer. They are offering the service of helping you to bridge the gaps, mm. you know, in, in whatever it is that you're trying to sort out. Okay. But yeah. Look, honestly, if you are a person who's entire kind of does that, I, I'm a bit the same. I think guys, you have to like be more businesslike. I reckon the people who are listening to us probably could be very businesslike if they need to. Mm-hmm. The mediator is just like an, an electrician. He just, he or she just is there to do a job for you. Okay. So you've got to focus on what's important to you. If you think you're likely to buckle mm-hmm. or be pressured, there's, I don't think there's any harm in having a friend with you. They might not be able to go into the room with if you ever get into the same room with your ex and the lawyers, or whatever, but they should be able to stay with you as a support person outside in, in your separate room. Or if you're in a mediation, they should be able to leave the room but come back to support you. That might help you. You need that fierce friend maybe. Or if you think you're giving in, ring up somebody and say, ah. Go and see a psychologist beforehand. But okay, good. So the mediator is not like a judge. That's good to pack away in your little bag before you go off to mediation. Now, there's some real doozies in these myths, but let's get to number two because I think this is an important one and I do think people think this is true, that details matter. Mm. You're saying that in mediation, details mattering is a myth. Yep, they don't matter. They don't matter. As if you don't mind, they don't matter. Right. So when you have people in a mediation, and I did this, really upset because I left the jelly moles for this person and uh, he just carried on like I'd taken all the important stuff and I never got my jelly moles back. So 
I wanted to say something like that to mm. the person that was representing me at the time. And it was like, you know, talk to the hand. <laughs> That's details don't matter. And this is your opportunity. Look, if you go to court, you're going to get into some details. Maybe not the Tupperware, but maybe the 2000 they took out of the account when they left. Maybe mm. that. But in a mediation, you're, you know how you think you know what hurts you and what's important to you. Uh, that's your benchmark. You leave that inside you and they have their own scenario, but we're really looking broad brush. So you might have a number in your head that you could settle at and be comfortable at, mm. um, but only if X, Y, Z happens. But if you're going to do that, um, you'll find yourself getting bogged down. So what you need is to take a big, broad look at it, forget the details and just say, look, yes, he's got this or she's taken that and I'll never get it back again. But, hey, I'm getting my money. I can move on. I don't have to go to trial or whatever. So it's very broad. No one's going through and looking at the details. Well, on the 7th of February, you said this in a text message. And on the 20th yes. of March, you picked up the children 10 hours late. So all of that is ten not minutes, really, 10 minutes. 10 minutes late is a little. 10 hours might be relevant. Yeah. But also, too, <laughs> yeah. like we always say, don't do furniture fights. Mm. It's all secondhand anyway now. Right. So, so basically when you're talking about details, you're saying in a mediation, it's kind of getting your heads together, looking at the overview broad scope, Mm -hmm. trying your hardest to come up with an agreement and trying to just move past all the other crap because otherwise you're going to get stuck and not get to an ending. And you know, the, the, at the trial, some of the stuff that's really important to you is not going to be important either. So it's all, it's quite shocking sometimes when you say you're at two different figures, right? 120,000 for a mistake versus a hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. And your mediator might say, look, why don't you split the difference and do 110,000 mm-hmm. and we'll call it quits. And you might find that is, is quite shocking with just. It's easy for you to say you think you've just given away $10,000. But remember the, the mediator's looking at the, what costs you might be up for if you go all the way to trial and, you know, months and months of uncertainty and stress. So those are the quite big steps that you take to get to a mediate, get to a settled agreement. And the test for a good agreement is that you both walk out feeling you didn't get the best you could get, mm. but you can live with it. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I think so. That- um, I think the saying that the details don't matter, there is a really good episode we've done in the past called Things That You Think Matter in Court But They Don't. And we've gone through a whole bunch of those because uh, we do find a lot of people, they're like, and he did this and this and this is all going to make a difference. And, and we've had to say, no, the court doesn't actually care about that. So maybe go listen to that if you're really stuck in the details. When it yeah. comes to disclosure though, mum, disclosure matters, yeah? Oh, yes. Yes. Because it's, it gives the disclosure is, it's, um, in accordance with the central practice direction, yep. you must give this disclosure. If you don't, um, then they might cancel the mediation and blame you for it and you get hit with costs. So not giving disclosure is like the number one no-no. Okay. You must give disclosure and you should have their disclosure. Okay. But yes, so definitely. Number three, one of the greatest myths in mediation is people think that their exes are going to act predictably based on what they've yeah. done in the past. You're mm. saying that's a myth. So do you, in your experience of being a mediator and going to countless thousands of mediations, do you see that that doesn't happen? No, it doesn't. When you were a couple, your ex's behaviour towards you will normally be slightly different to how it is when you are now um, a business deal. Mm. 
you know, sorting out a business deal. Sometimes I get people who say, oh, you know, he wouldn't do that to me or she would never do that to me. But but actually, they might. A better way of looking at it is how were they in business? How were they in dealings with, I don't know, air conditioning guys or or Telstra or whatever? How were they? And if they were relentless and they, they wouldn't concede anything, you've probably stepped into the category of a phone company or a, a tradie for them mm. and you will be treated. That's the only predictability I ever find in it, that how they treated people who they weren't in a relationship, that's how they're going to treat you because you're not in a relationship anymore. Do you find that they sometimes act differently because people are watching? There's a mediator in the room, so they may act nicer or more, more nicer. sensible? Um, yeah, I think sometimes they posture. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people thinking they've got to convince the mediator mm-hmm. might do all these I'm a nice woman, I didn't do this, or you know, and all of that sort of fudging. Mm. But just watch when it comes to signing off, they won't. Right. They, that, that's the, it's not what they say, it's what they do. Right. Okay. So you're walking into your mediation soon and mm. you think, oh, well, look, I, I've known my ex, even though we've split up, I know there's no way he's going to do ask for this or there's no way my ex is going to say, I want 100% of the custody of the children or I want 80% of the property. Don't walk in there and be surprised or shocked because that's going to throw you right off your bat. Is that right? Yeah. Is that a tactic in mediation to throw them off? Yeah, maybe, although it's not as intense. It's like a tactic I think can be to hurt someone. Mm. Another thing that they say is you're saying if you go in there and you think that they're going to, they wouldn't do this, they wouldn't do that. Another thing people go in with is to say, oh, she knows me better than that. He knows I would never do that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and they, he, she knows I was always at work or whatever. And then they come back with some saying, oh, you didn't, you never were there or you didn't do this or you didn't do that. So, mm-hmm. and, and it can really hurt if you've given a lot to a relationship and this person who you've been in a relationship with, who you think probably knows you better than anyone else on the planet, mm-hmm. except your parents, says that about you, that can really offend and hurt you. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it, uh, you know what? Sometimes they even say, and I need people to hear this because it can be heartbreaking. They'll say somewhere in the negotiations that I'm usually straight to your face, I never really loved you anyway. (gasps) And that's just a... a, Have you seen that happen? I do. I do. And I warn my clients because it's devastating. And sometimes they'll tell the kids, I never loved your mum anyway. I never loved your dad anyway. But what I say to them is remember this, that's coming from a person perhaps who has their own, They, the ones who say that have a new lover. And, and they're writing a the new narrative so they can feel better about themselves. That's right. And and how can this new love be the love of their life if they loved you? So they they downgrade that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. We've wandered off a little bit, but they, they won't act predictably. So I think just... In a non-legal sense, I think it's good for anybody that's going to mediation then, as you're saying, is to walk into the mediation expecting the unexpected. And, expecting the worst. And and don't don't be shocked if they you thought they'd never would, but they did, or if you think they never will, but they have. Um, and if they say things about you that are outrageous, you know, be prepared for that because that you don't want to be off your game to mediate and use mm. this valuable experience because yeah. they're throwing 
psychological barbs at you. All right, mum. Yes. Number four. This is interesting. Okay, so number four myth that mediation is the first step. Now, I thought that mediation was the first step. So, Why is that a myth, Mum? You're invited to our free webinar. Whether you're stuck at the beginning of deciding to divorce or you're struggling to find your way through the legal jargon and fear of the unknown of the legal process, we are here to empower you to take control. Join us to learn what steps you can take, followed by a live Q&A where you get Lynn, my amazing mum, and family law accredited specialist to answer your questions. All you have to do is go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and click on Reserve My Seat. We'll see you there. Hurry, spaces are limited, so don't miss out. Register today. That mediation is the first step. Now, I thought that mediation was the first step. So why is that a myth, Mark? If you go into mediation as the very first thing you ever do, uh, you've got a lot of work to do to get things sorted. So the majority of the time, before you split up, split up, there might have been conversations, if you could safely have them, about what you thought might happen between you both. There's probably texts and emails that have happened between you both, like for short term, you know, that little tiny mm-hmm. baby step we talked about in the course. And probably the kids have been going to, to both parents for a little while before you go to mediation and there's emails. If you did go to a lawyer, your lawyer would be writing letters, trying to sort things out. Because It's only the stuff you can't work out between yourselves that needs a mediator to sort out. So sometimes I I like to try and reduce the scope of the fight and say, look, we're agreed on this, but these are the things we need your help on, Miss Mediator or Mr. Mediator. These are the things that they're stuck on. Mm. And then the mediator then can work with you to, to do that last knotty little problem. It's very rare that there's absolute silence between the parties, no correspondence between them, no emails, no texts, and nothing from one lawyer to another. It's just very rare. So a mediation is a very expensive exercise. Even if you don't take a lawyer, you're paying a mediator maybe three, five more thousand dollars. It's silly to go to a mediator to sort out the stuff that you all know you agree on. Like it might be that it's obvious you're going to keep this car and they're going to keep that car. Right. Yeah. Super is fine. Like, you know, just reduce the scope of the fight Mm. and take just that bit to the mediator. Yeah. Because I guess if you, I guess you're right, because if you leave everything to discuss at mediation and don't talk about anything at all, you're not going to be able to do that in a day. You're not even going to be able to do that in two days. So I can see. Yeah. And and mum, you've noticed some people recently because of the speed of the way the court works now, that there are people that are being pushed into mediation in like the first week or they've, they've told them that they're leaving or they've got a new partner, they're moving out of the house, and I've booked a mediation for us next week. What do you say to those mm. people? I think generally it's legitimate to say that's too soon. I need time to get my documents together. They should give you some more notice. And I am finding that, that before we used to have to wait so long to get me into mediation, there was sort of hair growing on the file by the time we got there. But now it's almost like when a dog runs and their backside sort of gets a bit faster than their front, we've got this mediation turning up and no one's really ready for it. And God help you if you're in the court and the court says you must do this mediation and you're not ready for it. You you have to go, you have to have your stuff ready. But I don't think sometimes you're emotionally ready in a week or two weeks after separation. And I think that the people who write and insist on a mediation in that brief time 
One, I don't know any mediator who is available in two weeks, any mediator that's well known, shall we say. But secondly, you're still probably coming to grips with the separation. Mm. Even if you wanted it, you're not ready to start reaching agreement. There's an emotional spot. And that's why I think when people go to mediation or don't have mediation, go to court, the court sends them back off again to mediation. It's not that the the law has changed. It's not that people's positions have changed. Mm -hmm. It's just that they are probably more emotionally ready to make the concessions and accept the end of the relationship. Well, it's like uh, when your kids are fighting, and that, yeah. I don't know, they had a disagreement. Like, they, they've got hot heads. They're angry at each other. And you see those parents that force them to hug each other or we're, we're really, I, I'm like, okay, go away, go chill out in your room, calm down. And we'll talk about this in an hour or two and give them some time to settle before. Otherwise it's, it's, they're not going to, they're not going to be in that space. And I think, mum, the other thing is of when you first separate, you've got no idea what the cost of living is by yourself or how much oh. things are going to, well, how much does it cost to rent a house if you've been living in a house for 30 years and you've got no idea what the no. price of renting is? Oh. You don't know how much stuff costs. You So there's there's a whole new world you've got to navigate. You've got to get your phone sorted. You've got to get your healthcare sorted. You need to know what you need for the rest of your future before you can negotiate it. So I think even though reminder to everyone that this is general education, this is mum's opinion on mediation, everybody's situation is different. If your lawyer says you must go to mediation, they go to mediation. If court's ordered you to go to mediation, of court you go to court. Court, you must go. So just, you know, always check with your own lawyer because everyone's situation is different. This is mum's opinion. But, yeah, I think Mm. that's something. And and I think also people that have maybe had affairs – and I'm not judging anyone, but if they've had an affair and maybe it's been years or something and maybe they're ready to mediate because they've left the relationship mentally years ago or something, they're ready to to sort it out, they're ready to organise it. Or if you've been in a really horrible relationship and you've been desperate to get out and you've just been waiting for a chance to get out, you might be ready to mediate. Yeah, yeah, but the other person will not have had that time to get around to it. Yeah. And, and guilt is a big thing, Laura. Yeah. There are people who feel guilty for leaving or if they've had an affair or or if the person's a really good manipulator and they make you, you feel terrible for breaking up the happy home, inverted commas, uh, then people will give too much in a mediation. They're absolute pushovers in a mediation. Mm. Um, and then later... As the, as they get sort of more distance, I guess, emotional distance, then they're kicking themselves. So there's that, that balance. Isn't and I'm there? going to add one more in there. Uh, yeah. not guilt, but just desperate to get away from, to end yeah. it, to close the book. I, I know of a lot of people who've written in and said, I was just desperate to get it done and get him away or get her out of my life. I agreed to whatever. And now, is there any way I can undo it? So right mm. at that early stages, you might be just desperate to get away, to get off, to get out of their mitts. Don't make the mistake of not thinking about it really, really hard before. And then in the, in a couple of weeks or months, you know, realizing, oh, I should have maybe stuck it out a little bit longer to get what I actually deserved. Yeah, that's that kind of peace at any price mm. thoughts that people have that they just want to, and honestly, I'm sure there are people who are prepared, they know they can start again, Um, they know that they can't separate from this person easily, um, you know, in getting their 100% share, and people do, they make either a commercial decision, 
and saying, look, but I'll save this money on lawyers or, or whatever. I'll just sort it out. And then I can buy a house and save all that rent. They make a commercial decision and also they make an emotional decision to, to prevent the uncertainty and the delay yeah. of a, a trial and the expense of a trial. And also the, just the, like you say, if you've got someone who they're on the other, your ex is someone who is harassing you and bullying you into doing something, you just like give in because I can, so I, the most important thing on your mind is to get this person out of your face. So, yeah. So, and, and look, that's legitimate sometimes. Yeah. As long as you run a ruler over it, um, talk it over with your lawyer. Uh, there's a little bit of protection uh, with the court because the court won't usually make an order in property unless it's, well, they won't make an order unless they can say that it's just and equitable. Right. Right. To make that order. So they, they'll run a ruler over it. And I see, run a ruler over it. And I see registrars reject orders all the time. So right. this doesn't seem to be enough. Or this is, um, too low. It seems to be too low for one person, particularly if you've got someone very experienced as a lawyer on one side and maybe a self-represented person on the other. But you shouldn't count on that because the registrar might take it through and stamp it off and then you've got your orders. Um, sometimes, the lawyers um, know or you'll be told that your agreement that you want to make is never going to cut the mustard in court, that the registrar's never going to say that's reasonable. And so you might be getting too much or you might be getting not enough and then you might have to go to doing a financial agreement between you yeah. both. Yeah, so that's a separate thing and that never gets checked in court. Yeah, so never get careful with that as well because you don't mm. want to be tricked into doing one of those. Okay, so we, uh, let's get a little bit sidetracked. Now, the last one, Mum, number five, yeah. this is interesting as well and I think <laughs> this trips up a lot of people. I do think this trips up a lot of people Yeah, and can be really frustrating. So the myth is that if you say anything or agree to anything verbally in mediation, it can be taken down and used against you in a court of law. That's a myth. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I used that taken down and used against you in a court of law from watching too many um, <laughs> crime shows, police shows. In the mediation, you're kind of like in a bubble of confidentiality. What the court wants is for you to be able to put all of your cards on the table, if you want to, and really try to settle things. And with confident in the knowledge that if you say, all right, I'll take $105,000 and you can have the $120,000. If you say that and then it doesn't end up settling, you can go back to court looking for your 120 and they can't say, the other side can't say, well, Your Honour, she was prepared to accept 105 in mediation or, you know, he's he said that he wouldn't take that much money off or I could have all of her super in mediation. So the court won't listen to, they can't hear that. It's not allowed to be put in evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not allowed to go in affidavits. Um, even if you've been writing backwards and forwards, you know, before your mediation or after trying to solve stuff, if it's an attempt to settle a matter, then it's confidential. So you'll see letters coming from lawyers um, that say without prejudice, mm -hmm. and that means without prejudice to my case, I'm offering this often and 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 trying to settle it, but I haven't changed my real position. So I always think of it like a duck on on a lake, right? Yeah. And moving to say they're swimming towards the the other side. It looks very smooth, and you, you're heading towards a trial. Underneath, the legs are going like crazy, and underneath is where your mediation 
happens and your negotiations happen and they never Surface. interrupt that progress to try and they can't be used against you. So, uh, look, I, sometimes I won't reveal uh, in a mediation if there's something, a tactic or a, a proposal or something that that is not ready to be made. We might not say that in a mediation, but you should make your best efforts at the mediation without thinking and you think Sorry, without worrying that it's going to be held up in court. So, and well, I'll get onto that. So, in the past, uh, we've talked mm. about negotiating with the unnegotiable. Was that it? Negotiating, mm, convincing the unfit. So, convincing convinc- the unconvincible, and can you really mediate with a narcissist? Are two other episodes yeah. we've done that you should listen to if you're interested in those for mediation. But in that, you say, look, like you just mentioned about the strategy. If you don't. Mm. finalize the mediation if you don't get a settlement the bonus of it is you can usually tell what their dirt <laughs> or argument or is mm. going to be based on what they're saying in the mediation so what you're saying is sometimes it's a good idea to hold back a bit on those things if you think oh well, yeah i mean depending on what your lawyer I, I, says depending what your lawyer thinks it's tricky to hold back it like don't hold back anything about you mm. but you might not let them know you know something about them, if mm. you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to trial. But see if, you about that, that's general education. Absolutely. So, this what is about, ins- what the big myth that I that I've I've seen with this kind of myth, Mum, is so people go in, they they come up with an agreement, but they walk out, they don't sign anything, but then they yeah. think that they've got an agreement. But what you're saying is they don't, and that agreement mm-hmm. can't be said to the judge. But we agreed in mediation that I would get them the child 50% of the time. Well, so you've got to be careful with this because what the law is at the moment is that a document that comes as a result of mediation mm-hmm. can be tendered to the court. Oh. That's what was decided and it's been produced, particularly if it's signed. But in the middle of negotiations, if you don't settle anything, it can't. Right, right. So remember we talk about in the mediation, um, sometimes people will argue all day till they're blue in the face, particularly if you haven't had much uh, correspondence before. And then at the end of the day, nothing gets written down, you know. So you can't talk about what you said in that during the day. Right. Sometimes when you're convincing, when you're negotiating with someone who's not going to do it in good faith, you may get up on the board. We used to write it on a whiteboard, the things that we can agree on. Yeah. Usually the first thing was today is Wednesday. We'll agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> and then work it down. But now because of computers and the ability now for a lawyer to produce solid consent orders while you're sitting there, particularly if it's nearly six o'clock, seven o'clock at night, my policy is yes, don't sign anything that quickly. If it's taken you that long to get to a conclusion, you're not going, you need to sleep on it overnight. Now, that's not popular with a lot of mediators because uh, they get notches on their belt for how many they've successfully negotiated. Mm-hmm. But um, I want any of our listeners, particularly if you're going without a lawyer, to don't be pressured into signing anything because that can be shown to the other side, uh, to the court in the end. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. The big scary reminders that that number one that you don't have to prove anything to the mediator it's to the other side that you need to prove number two details 
don't really matter. The finer details mm-hmm. about who had the Tupperware or who took that chair, they're not going to matter. The mediator is going to try and do a broad brush, look at the big percentages and the numbers. Another number three myth is that your ex is going to act predictably and don't mm. count on that. Embrace yourself for the emotional roller coaster that you're going to go through, whether you like them or not. Number four, mediation is the first step. That's a myth. It's not. Mm. It should be letters, text, emails, you know, and negotiating the little stuff and go to mediation for what you're stuck on. And even if you've got a mediation date set, mm-hmm. don't let that stop you trying to resolve it in the meantime. Yeah. Or at least clear the decks on some of the little stuff. Yeah. And and that's a good point, Mum. And number five, that if you say something in mediation, it can be taken down and used in the court of law. So it's confidential unless it's been written down as a document and signed. So in saying that, Mum, I do get a lot of people asking, we should just do a whole episode on this. If you're going in yeah. and you've got property and kids to deal with, that's, yeah. I, I can't even wrap my head around how people can manage to do that. How, how do you, and I guess that's a good reason why you should start whittling down the issues before you even get to mediation so that yeah. you've only got a few things to deal with. But how do you decide whether to do kids or property first? Well, I mean, first of all, the person who's mediating a children's dispute has to be an accredited family dispute resolution practitioner accredited by the Attorney General. So that will narrow down your list of mediators. Mm. I know that this is not a popular view amongst uh, never... social worker mediators, but, hey, what the heck. Oh, no, um, I'm more people. I don't think you should go to a non-lawyer to negotiate your property. Right. I think you should go to someone who knows the law and is experienced in family law to do your property matters. Right. Okay. And so that that follows then that if you've got property and children, you either have two mediations, right? Uh, one with a, a more a family dispute resolution provider about the kids, and then you do one which is just property. Mm. Um, or if you put them all together, like you say, Laura, clear the decks um, on them. Now, here's the thing. Uh, some, who has the children, like the outcome of who has the children more than the other kid, uh, than the other person can impact your property settlement, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're 50 50, it might not. But if you're having the children, you know, uh, I don't know, 10 nights out of 14 and um, she's having them only four nights out of 14, you would get a bigger share of the property pool, usually. Because of that, because that's one of the factors. So if you do kids first, you risk shooting for property. Maybe. No, no. I think if you do kids first, then everybody knows how that's going to pan out. True. And then you can do the property. But you can also do that first because you want to know what's what with them so they're better. Like, so yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll find mostly the court, the mediators, will want to do the children's matters first okay? because they tend to be the most emotional yeah, thing. tend to be. Yeah. They would be. So, look, there are plenty of mediation episodes we have done. We've gone into the nitty-gritty of what they are. Uh, we've also mm. got a our course that's opening up for registration and membership where we talk you through how to prep for it and what to do in it based on the four personality types, which we haven't gone into today at all, Mum. True, we haven't. But if you're interested in that, go and jump on our website, www.thedivorcecourse.com.au. 
And then we are closing doors in a couple of weeks. So don't miss out on that. But Mark, I think it's cool, Laura, isn't yeah. it? Mediation, your mediation mind. Your mediation mindset is, yep. yes, module number five or six, I think. Now, mm-hmm. Mum, we have not done a review for a little while because we keep oh, coming. Okay. And we've yeah. been getting some amazing reviews. And I know you love listening to these. And I, do. I love giving away a free call to someone <laughs> so they can talk to you. So if this is you, who has written this review, you can contact us at the divorce course podcast at gmail.com and we will send you a link so you can chat to mum for 30 minutes like some of our platinum members do when they are going through their dramas and journeys. I'm going to read this one to you, mum. I love this one. Okay. This is called, they titled it Divorce Course Podcast. I've listened to every episode now. That's amazing because there's 135. <laughs> it's helped me with my fear, anxiety, and self-worth. I've gone from a pushover to to a don't mess with me (laughs) just by listening to your shows. Thank you for helping me be brave and stand up for what's fair. And that was written by Sam VB via Apple Podcasts on the 25th of the 1st. So Sam... If that uh, is your name or your nickname, thank you for your review. Thank you, everyone, for your amazing reviews. They're beautifully. Mum, I will read the rest of you off air. If you would like the opportunity to chat with Mum for 30 minutes, all we need you to do is write a review. Doesn't even have to be five stars. (laughs) That would be good. Uh, Because the more reviews we get, the more people we can reach and the more people we can help get that mess with me and brave attitude because let's face it, there's a lot of misinformation out there and some people are doing it tough on their own. And if that is yeah. you or that has been you and you mm. would have loved someone to tell you about this podcast a year ago or six months ago, then you can help pay that favour back by writing a review and it will hopefully reach somebody like you. Who needs it? Yeah. yeah. Mum, thank you for your time again. If you are going through mediation anytime soon, guys, we wish you the best of luck. Go and listen to the other episodes. If you can't find them all, shoot us an email at the podcast at gmail.com. I will send you a little list that you can read to get ready, listen to to get ready. Of course, go and see your lawyer. Don't take any of this as legal advice. It's all general education. Wishing you all the best, everyone, and thank you, Mum, for your time. No worries, darling. Bye, Rosie. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.